Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast followers. The great Matt Geib is with you once again, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm bringing you part two of a two-part series on the Great Exposure. We started that lesson, that episode last week, I believe. The Great Exposure from Ephesians 5, 1 to 11. Let me read that again. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. In the last episode, when we started this, and I had read this portion of Scripture, I told you that God had highlighted verse 11 to me, and I just kind of had landed on it. And we'll go back to verse 8 to 11. This really brought me this home for me. As it says, they were once, that means the Ephesians, in darkness being away from God. But as saints, they needed, just like us today, to be walking in the light of the Lord. For the fruit of the Spirit, is, it says, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding what is acceptable to the Lord. And then as I was pondering this, like I said, God had me land on verse 11 as a key verse that answers all this. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And thus the great exposure, rather expose them. We're talking today about the great exposure and what that means. And so far, we've discussed the following three points last time. One, we are being developed in the dark room or prayer closet as a beautiful portrait masterpiece that God wants to show off to the world. Number two, light is essential for exposure, for proper exposure. Great exposure is developed or birthed in light. Number three, we are his inheritance or treasure that he's protecting for just that right time to show off. Colossians 1.12 says, giving thanks to the Father, who's qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints in light. And light comes from the word phos in Greek, which we get our word phosphorus from. Also, in the Greek, revelation is used for light. Apocalypsis is usually the word for revelation. 
Verse 13, he has rescued us, this is Colossians 1.13, from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. The portrait, the inheritance, light, and fellowship, that is fellowship with God in the dark room and also our Christian brothers and sisters, are all crucial to bringing about the great exposure God desires for this planet. We must have just the right amount of light for this to occur. And I was thinking of Moses when he wanted to see God's goodness. I believe it's about Exodus 33. God had him hide behind a rock because otherwise all that goodness, all that light, all that glory, his human body could not have handled it. And he would have, it probably would have blown up. Also, when he came down from the mountain, remember he had to wear a veil. The goodness and the glory of God was so much so on his face. Just the right amount of light, okay? Right amount of light is needed to expose a picture correctly. And light and revelation, light and revelation meaning uncovering or unveiling or finding out a secret is needed to find the treasure or the inheritance. Remember the monuments men we talked about? They had to have, you know, revelation or tips where to go in these countries like in Europe and find those lost portraits, those lost paintings that Hitler and Goring had stolen. And I remember a long time ago, teacher in Bible college I had preached this message that stayed with me a long time when I'm thinking about this passage, called about, called, he called his message, the inheritance of the saints in light. In light is the key. Only in light, in revelation, can our inheritance in God and what he has for us be found or recovered. The portrait correctly exposed also can only be found in light. And without fellowship with God in the dark room, in the prayer closet, or without fellowship in the body of Christ, with the body of Christ, the whole process will fail. I'm going to read this one part again. The portrait, the inheritance, light, and fellowship with God in the dark room, and also our brethren, are critical to bringing about that great exposure God desires for this planet. We must have, it's critical that we have, just the right amount of light for this to take place. Light is the most critical element in all of this. So let's look at a few thoughts connecting light and fellowship for further clarity. So now we're on point number four. Fellowship will increase the light or the revelation that you have. Proverbs 4.18 says, but the path of the just or the righteous is the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day. Your portrait, your masterpiece, the inheritance God is revealing to you for you, which God is all creating for you, is meant for him to shine through, is meant to shine brighter and brighter with more clarity and vividness each day you walk with him. This increased brightness is made possible through fellowship, of course with God, but yet also we need our brothers and sisters in Christ. Fellowship in Greek means koinonia. It means joint participation, association, contribution, community, fellowship, intimacy, intercourse. And it's talking about with other human beings, of course, but also with him, the Father. 
1 John 1, 7, one of my favorite passages. But if we really walk in the light, that is, live each day and every day in conformity with the precepts of God as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. He with us and we with him, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all its form and manifestation. This verse means, of course, fellowship with God the Father, but it also ties together, fellowshipping together as we're walking in the light together as sons and daughters of God, fellowshipping with the body of Christ, fellowship with both God and the brethren. We can never walk this walk alone. There are no spiritual lone rangers in the kingdom of God. We need the Lord, the dark room, the prayer closet experience, of course, but we also need one another. The enemy will pick off loners and deceive them. The sign of a healthy saint is one who is in fellowship, creating with God and the brethren his portrait, his masterpiece, his inheritance, his treasure to show forth to the world. A loner, if you see somebody that says, oh, I just can do it on my own and I'll be a loner, I still love God, they lack light. They really lack light. They have a deception there, and they're in danger of being picked off. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And you're all familiar with that verse. And it's interesting. Some have said of this passage that the mirror that we're reflecting off of is our brethren. As we listen to, pray, and encourage each other, we reflect God's glory back and forth and his light between us, which then it causes us to ascend higher and higher and higher into higher levels of glory and light and revelation. Unveiled face speaks, of course, of vulnerability, exposure, like we've been talking about. Remember, James said, confess your faults one to another. Again, I don't believe that we need a priest to, or a man or a woman needs a husband to represent themselves before God, but there is a time and a place, and God has set it up this way, for a confession of faults and shortcomings among each other, among the brethren. It really brings a real humility and a brokenness. Opening up, that's what we need to do. This kind of openness causes us to burn brighter and brighter and brighter and be exposed with more clarity to the world. When we are in the light, it's just, it's just natural to be drawn to others. Like, and that is his saints, those of a like heart and a mind. Just like bugs, you see them out in the summer, are drawn to lights, right? Fellowship just brightens the illumination inside of us. That is our masterpiece God is creating. You've heard the proverb, iron sharpens iron. Well, I would say iron also polishes and shines iron as well. So it will shine brightly to the world. Well, I'm wanting to go down in my town to a museum where they have all these old cars to show. And I was thinking about that in relation to this point, such beautiful old cars. I'm not a car fanatic by any means, but I like the old cars. I'm able to identify the models and the makes pretty good. And I always thought it'd be neat, you know, if God someday blessed me 
if it wouldn't become an idol, that I could have a 1955 Chevy Bel Air. And I'd ride that thing around town every once in a while and show it off. But if I came by your house one day with that beautiful car that God allowed me to have, and it was all filthy and muddy, you would tell me, wouldn't you? And I wanted to show you this beautiful car, but it was all muddy. And Oh, this great car, but it was all muddy. You'd say, Matt, your car's a mess. And you might even offer to help me clean it up. Would you not? Yet we, as the body of Christ at times, are so afraid and maybe a bit prideful that we don't want to allow each other into our lives to help polish each other and at times clean the dirt off of each other and the note of spots. You know, I go out to eat or go out for a, some kind of formal meeting and I have a nice shirt on and it has a spot on it. My wife tells me and I want her to tell me. And that's what I'll say to the body of Christ. If you see that I have a spot or a blemish or dirt on me, please tell me. Please, please tell me. What God desires to do with our corporate art show, that's all of us together, we will need to be as bright and as clean as he can make us. Point number five, then is that God is creating a restrainer to both expose and hold back the darkness, the enemy. You know he's creating a restrainer, and that restrainer, my friends, is you and I. This point refers to the time I believe we're now presently living in. You see, I believe the world has entered a dark place morally and spiritually as never before, especially in the last 40 years. And yet, as the darkness increases, the contrast of it all is the light will shine brighter and brighter. You and I should be shining brighter and brighter. Let's read 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12 about the great apostasy. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin or perdition, some say, is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Of course, we know that this is in reference to the rise of the Antichrist, which personally I feel or I believe is right. he is right now walking the earth. Of course, he has not fully been exposed to the world or exposed himself to the world in his position of Antichrist, yet I feel he and his cohorts are gathering and scheming even as I preach this message. I do not profess to know when he will fully come on the earth and on the world scene and declare himself as God, yet I'm thinking it cannot be far off. We could say that the ungodly picture is even now in the development process. So let's go on and read verse 5 then. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? That's what Paul is saying. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, 
whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Let's reread again this portion in verse 6. Let's see. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his time. And now you know what is restraining. That means the restrain word there means to withhold, hold back, hold back something. A force of some kind is holding back something. That is, what it's holding back is the revealing and the formation of the Antichrist government, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness, that is, the process by how the Antichrist is now marshalling his government, his forces, as it were, is already at work. See, I believe it's already working today. Only he who now restrains, that is, he who now withholds or holds back, will do so until he is taken out of the way. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. See, the Antichrist is like his son. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, some commentators and scholars will tell us this restrainer is the Holy Spirit, and I will not disagree with that. However, I personally believe this force that is withholding the Antichrist is the Bride of Christ and the Holy Spirit within her, his church. That is the Holy Spirit within all of us corporately. That is the sons and daughters of God corporately, fully showing out the light of God as his masterpiece that he has created and is now displaying for all the world to see. Then someday, I believe, through the rapture, without getting into a full-blown study of eschatology, I'm not going to get into that today, I believe in the rapture, we will be, that is, us restrainers, the bride of Christ will be taken out of the way in the rapture. I like this translation the Passion Translation for this verse here, or this phrase, the one who now prevails will do so. I like that word. He uses prevail instead of restrain. As we prevail with God, we hold back darkness. As we shine brighter and brighter, we're going to hold back darkness, which leads to another passage, Daniel eleven thirty-one 31 to 32. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out exploits. Again, this scripture is talking about end time events. Way down in the tribulation, I believe, when... God's people, the Jews, finally come to the light that Jesus is Savior, and the Antichrist goes into their temple and desecrates it, takes away their sacrifices, but they stand strong in God and they carry out exploits. I brought this passage in here about end-time events, the tribulation period with the Antichrist when he's in power, and in fact, the whole book of Daniel is about the end-time events, but I brought this in here as an example for us, even in this time, God will have his people who will rise up and do exploits, even in the worst tribulation. But I believe it will be the same for us. His bride today, we will do great exploits just through our very presence as we 
are exposed to the world and become that great exposure as God's light resisting the darkness, as the portraits of overcoming sons and daughters he's called us to be. We're talking about revelation. We're talking about apocalypsis, an uncovering, an unveiling. Revelation 1.1 says, and it prefaces the whole book, the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. And then there's 21 chapters of all these end time things that God is shedding light on through the John the Beloved. And Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, I think I've read this before. I keep asking that God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation or apocalypsis so that you get to know him better and you might know the hope of his calling, the eyes of your understanding enlightened, that you might know the hope that he's called you to, the riches of his inheritance in his holy people. Remember, we talked about inheritance. Luke 2.32, a light, Jesus was called a light to bring apocalypsis to the Gentiles, revelation. You see, he was brought before the priest, Simeon, when he was a baby by his parents. And that's the word of the Lord that Simeon prayed over him, that he would be a light to the Gentiles. Romans 8.19, the whole earth groans for the revelation, for the apocalypsis, for the unveiling, for the uncovering, for the display of the sons of God. And that's you and I, brother and sister. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, to the apocalypse, apocalypsis of the mystery kept secret since the world began. In other words, God will give us his bride, his masterpiece, his inheritance, a word of revelation, a word of uncovering, unveiling, apocalypsis, that will strengthen and establish us in our calling. So today we've been talking about the great exposure. And last week we started talking about the great exposure. That is you and I, son and daughter of God, we are that great exposure that the world's beginning to see more and more as we allow our light to shine and burn brighter and brighter until the perfect day as darkness increases in the world. I'm beginning to believe in this often trying year of 2020 with COVID-19, the racial riots, unemployment due to lockdown, and now the election upheaval, that this is the beginning of God's great exposure of his sons and daughters to the world, shining brightly, exposing unfruitful works of darkness and restraining and putting the enemy to flight, that God's glory, that his light, that his revelation may go across the globe as Habakkuk prophesied, as the water covering the seas. That's what I've been getting excited about and seeing in his spirit or by his spirit. Now, before we wrap up today, let me leave you with some encouraging examples of men and women from the scriptures today who possessed with Abba in his dark room. They processed with him in the dark room and did great things in their time. We all are called to a darkroom experience with him in order to be developed into the astounding portrait or masterpiece he wants us to be so he can show us off to the world. So let's look at Moses. Moses went through a darkroom, just like you and I, for 40 years in the desert before God raised him up to be a confident, a confident deliverer of Israel down in Egypt. 
down in sin, in the world of sin. God wants to raise up maybe many listening out there today to the podcast, a Moses, someone that will break the chains, be a chain breaker and deliver those people in sin as well as his people that are bound in sin and confusion. Remember Gideon, that poor farmer from Benjamin that was found in a wine press, hiding back behind there, trotting out a little grain for his family. What did the angel of the Lord say about him? He called him, O thou mighty man of valor. And, and sometimes we laugh at that. We think it's sarcastic. But really, I believe God saw the picture, that perfect portrait of his son Gideon as an overcomer that would deliver the people from the enemy that was oppressing them. He was hiding in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord, Lord said, I see you, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And what happened? The story, the account of how this great army was formed, and soon it was whittled down to just 300 men, was it not? And they came upon the Midianites, the rest of the band of the wicked ones, and they had the light, remember their torch and fire, and they put it in a pitcher to hide it, and then they broke the pitcher, and they said, for Gideon and the Lord, you know, I'm coming for Gideon and the Lord. And the light of God shone so brightly, the enemy was scattered, defeated, confused, killed each other. He wants to break your vessel. He wants that light, that portrait of brightness and beauty to show out of you. No, we don't hide our light under a bushel, do we? We let it shine. We will be hidden in the dark room for a season, but eventually our vessel will come forth and be broken, and the light will shine brightly out of us, confusing and confounding and putting the enemy to flight. Even King Saul, the first king of Israel that went astray, that didn't completely walk with the Lord, at first chose, you know, when he was chosen as king, he was very shy and backward, and he was hiding behind a, a baggage train when God called him, you see? And yet God called him. Some of you might be hiding today, but God wants to call you. And he wants to raise you up. David, of course, we can't forget about David. Remember how he was called? You know, after Saul was rejected, they went to Jesse's house, David's dad. And there were all the brothers lined up. Samuel had them all come out because he knew that in this family, there would be the next king. And he's going down, and he's probably thinking even in his own mind, even though he's a prophet of God, well, maybe this is the young man because he's strong and brain, brawny. And God said, no, that's not the one. Then he went to the next guy. Maybe he was real brainiac. No, that's not the one, Samuel. And he got down all the way down the line of brothers. And he says, I don't know what to do. And he says, Jesse, do you have another son? And he says, yes, we— we have young David, young teenager out in the field tending the flocks. Go call him in. <laughs> See, David wasn't even there. And yet God called him to be king. He had to go through a lot of years. He was anointed king that day, but he had to go through a lot of years in the dark room, did he not? And had to slay the bear and the lion before he was officially put in as the king. How about Esther, who was chosen? As one of the wives of the king of Persia, she was called out of obscurity. She had to be brave and step up. She had to be willing to step up, and it was very uncomfortable and even dangerous for her. What about us? Is it uncomfortable for us to step up and let our light shine? 
to expose darkness? And her uncle Mordecai had to encourage her and say, perhaps God's created you for such a time as this. Perhaps God is calling you today on the Kingdom Corner podcast and saying, he wants to expose you. He wants to raise you up for such a time as this. You being here is not an accident. He's exposing you. He's wanting to show you out for such a time as this now in the world. Yes, it'd be uncomfortable at times. Look at Esther. It was a protocol that at that time as a woman that you never approached the king. He was supposed to come to you if there was to be any conversation. But she stepped out in boldness after being encouraged by Mordecai, and he received her, and she exposed Haman's wicked plot, and he listened. The king listened to her. Yes, she was created for such a time as that because she exposed the wickedness that was just trying to destroy her people, and Haman was the one that was hung on the gallows, was he not? Not Mordecai. Today, God is calling us to be exposed as the beautiful portrait that he's creating. He may still be working with you in the darkroom to develop you, to develop that image, that beautiful portrait he sees of you. I want you to forget your own ideas about what that might be. I want you to get in that prayer closet in the darkroom and find out what, what that beautiful picture of you that he sees that he wants to expose. Oh, son, oh, daughter of God, he wants to expose you to the world because there's a revival, there's a refreshing, there's a restoration coming that I believe is not here yet. Right now we're in a season of darkness yet. Yes, I know that. And yet God wants to bring revival, refreshing, and restoration. He wants to confound that darkness through your and my exposures as his beautiful portraits, as his beautiful sons and daughters. And I believe he wants darkness overthrown. Let's read again verse 8 of the chapter of Ephesians 5. Verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 9, let's look at that. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, the Spirit in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know, a healthy tree doesn't strive to bring forth fruit. It just does, you know, as it's in the light and as it's well watered. And that's you and I. We are his trees. It talks about his garden. We are his garden in Song of Solomon. Being in his presence, in the darkroom, in the prayer closet, the fruit will just begin to develop and will show out to the world. That's what will flow from you. You won't have to strive for it. See what it says in verse 9 again? You will not have to strive for goodness, righteousness, and truth. It'll just flow out of you. Verse 11, let's read it again. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You are his highly favored sons and daughters today. And your time for exposure to this world has come. The whole earth is groaning 
for the revelation, for the exposure of the sons and daughters of God. This is our hour. This is your hour to step up, step out, encourage. So be exposed and shine and hold back and defeat the forces of the enemy. This is your time. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Guide. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.